0: Hello and welcome to the Empowered Women's Project, a podcast and community made by women for women to help you live your best life and reconnect you back to the things that really matter. Today, we are joined by Super Mama of 05, Natalie Burchett, as she shares with us her journey of homeschooling over the last 16 years. This is definitely a topic of conversation right now. For some people, homeschooling has kind of been forced upon us. Others are really embracing the journey, so I'm really looking forward to learning more about how we can go about homeschooling, whether it's a long-term thing or something short-term, and ultimately, you know, increasing the bonds and the relationships and the quality of the relationships that we have with our children and our family as well. So let's jump in. Hey, guys, I am so excited for our interview today. Um, Today, we are joined by the lovely and amazing supermama, Natalie Bechette, and she is a mama of five. Uh, and has been homeschooling her children for the last 16 years. So I wanted to jump in and pick her brain today because not only, you know, a lot of people facing homeschooling right now, some embracing it, some struggling, but also there's families like my own. We're actually considering taking our kids out of school altogether and homeschooling. Um, I've got three kids of my own. So thank you so much, Natalie, for being with us today. I'm really excited.
1: My pleasure. It's an absolute privilege. I could chat to you all day, Kate.
0: (laughs) Well, I know you're going to be adding so much value to so many families um, with what we get to chat about. So, I guess let's start from the beginning. Like, what was your school like? what's schooling like even for you growing up? Was it something that homeschooling was on your mind as a as a new parent, or how did that all come? No, back?
1: not really. I think um, I just pretty much grew up in rural Victoria at the regular high school. Um, I did primary school and high school just. As most Australian children do, um, I'd, I homeschooling wasn't even a concept that I'd ever heard of growing up, so mm-hmm. it was a very foreign thing to me. Um, but once we we, we became parents, um, we met some people who had homeschooled, and for some reason, I was just really drawn to it. I just, you know, I, was, I just had to, I was, so much curiosity around it for me. Um, And, yeah, it just happened that uh, the rental property that we were sitting in um, came up for sale. And I said to Steve, if this sells before um, school starts, we're going around Australia and homeschooling, Hannah. And um, we got the notice sort of mid-January that we were being kicked out by March. And so we're just like, right, let's go. And that's pretty much how it started.
0: That's amazing. And so how
1: old was Hannah when that happened? Uh, So Hannah was prep. She was five. And uh, Georgina, our second, she was uh, three and a half. And then we had an 18-month-old boy um, when we first travelled around Australia. And, uh, yeah, we spent a whole year in bare feet (laughs) and sunshine. I think we had two half days that were a little bit cloudy and drizzly, but everything else was Beautiful. So we homeschooled in the morning and we celebrated life in the afternoon.
0: That's incredible. I actually, my family, we travelled around Australia for six months when I was I was seven and eight, kind of on that trip. My sister was five. And so we homeschooled for that time as well. And I wouldn't really say there was much of a curriculum because we were learning so much about our country and nature. And it was the most profound time. And I still have such Clarity and memory of those experiences Mm -hmm. as a family. It's something we definitely want to do with our little tribe as well. So I love that. So after your adventures around Australia and homeschooling, Hannah, then, you know, you came back home and settled down and then you decided to continue with the homeschooling from there.
1: Yeah. So basically um, for the grade one, we homeschooled as well, but we were out in a remote sort of gorgeous little country town of Ararat in West Victoria and uh, there wasn't a lot of homeschooling support out there and this was something that very concerned a few of our uh, people, mainly my parents I think, were really freaking out. So it's interesting um, how that sort of helped, you know, even as an older woman I was sort of really worried about what they were thinking and everything, um, but had resisted that in the fact that I'd started homeschooling. Um, But, yeah, so for Hannah's grade two year, we actually put her back in school and it was the most, probably the worst worst year. It was um, like, it's funny, the perceptions that you have in your family, um, you think that, I I used to have this um, sort of thwarted expectation to have a perfect like everything running very smoothly. And once you hit parenthood, you realise actually that we, I better get rid of that because um, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't serving me well and I'm spending so much time in fear and doubt and worry that I haven't got this image maintained. I just ended up thro- throwing it out the basket anyway. But um, what I realised with Hannah in year two is that they're there. doesn't matter how you live and how much time you spend with your family there's always a percentage of conflict Mm. and if you get to spend eight hours with your children um, there's still a percentage of conflict. Uh, If you send them to school you'll find that even still when they get home that there's a percentage of conflict and I felt like uh, for her grade two year that I actually got to see more of the moments of conflict and everybody else got to enjoy the good time. Good. And I missed out on that, so I just thought, "Nah, grade three, We actually moved from where we were, and I said, "That's it. I, I'm just homeschooling, and I'm not. I'm not sending them to school until Stephen and I believe, um, and I feel called to put them into school." So we continued there.
0: there you go. I love that um, perspective of understanding that there's always going to be conflict. I think the more rules and expectation you have on yourself as a parent and how you should be and how, how well-behaved your kids should be or whatever it is, mm. put so much pressure on yourself and then you throw in opinions of, you know, mm. your parents and grandparents, all of that. It, it really does stress you out and you don't necessarily cherish those moments as much. So I love just being aware and acknowledging there's always going to be conflict mm. and, um, and embracing that but that, you know, you were realising that, everyone else was getting the best of of your kids so Mm -hmm. that's really profound Mm. so you didn't have necessarily a lot of support around you in making that decision at the beginning think about i guess right now in the world there's a lot of parents that homeschooling has been pushed on them just there's probably some extra conflict because they're spending a little more time with each other than they normally would um Do you have any words of wisdom, I guess, of managing conflict in, you know, having your family at home for that extra period of time um, that families might be dealing with right now?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I suppose the thing that like every household has an inherent value system and things that they aspire to um, sort of display or represent to the world about how family um how family fits together and um it, you know some of those are connections some of them are kindness some of them are serving um some of them are all different sorts of uh love points i would say that people have a value system that they they're trying to harbor in within their family group and um i i say that's fantastic like celebrate your diversity, have a little bit of a think about actually where, what is the direction, what, what values do we want to end up as a collective group and how do we want to impact the world from that view point. Um, And then that gives you a bit of an idea so you don't sweat the little things so much that each uh, example, I suppose, one of the things that I, or two things that I learned very quickly is that it's a privilege to see all sides of somebody. Yeah you could probably think about, you know, on a, on a single hand, how many people are really happy to show you every side of themselves. Um, and so that was one thing when my kids were having a tantrum or if I was having a meltdown, um, you know, the, the catastrophe would happen and there would be so many emotions running wild. And then I'd go, we'd all go and find our calm point, our place to just calm down a little bit. And then I would remind myself that it's actually a privilege to walk through that as a family and stick to your values at the end, which is like, which is just a faithful faithfulness calling to what I see as love, you know, love in the end. Um, and you don't get to sit, you don't get to experience that with everyone. So when your kid's having a drama, you're just going, right. Oh, apparently this is a privilege that I see this side of them. <laughs> um, I used to try and, you know, not react, but to respond. Um, according to the values that I held strongly and be consistent in doing that. Um, I think when you talk about um, people, oh, the, the other, I suppose the other thing that I um, really, you know, in those moments where you're just like, what the heck? Um, you, you remember, I, I used to remember, look, I was a nurse and i planned out my day every day when i was nursing and it got interrupted continuously like all the time so when you're planning out your homeschooling day make peace with the fact that this is probably not going to be okay that each piece of what happens today will round it all up and will circulate it and will keep it in line with the value and and sort of just be patient and 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 gracious in the process. Um, not trying to make sure that Rome is built in a day, but there's actually built in a lifetime. Yeah. So yeah, just Having some
0: broader perspectives. Maintaining some flexibility through yeah. the rigid. The more rigid we are, it's gonna it's gonna be hard on everyone, isn't it?
1: Totally, totally. And I think depending on your age group, um, I uh, you know when you've got younger kids. It's like um, they they love a lot of order and they're really good at responding to a lot of order. Once your kids sort of get over the into the young adult sort of age group, we, we actually don't have teenagers in our house. We have young adults. So when they turn 13, uh, we don't use teenager as a word. Um, we use you're a young adult. And um, so once they become a young adult, they're sort of branching out and you're... you're your relationship sort of changes from about 12, maybe 11 and a half, depending on the pecking order. I think the firstborn, it happens sort of around 12 to 13, but the younger they get, the the more they learn from looking at the the older one. And so, you know, it comes from about 11 11 and a half to 12 as they get consequently down the track. Um, But, yeah, you sort of got to lead them by the strength of your relationship and championing them. In in holding that that value of who they are, and also the faith that you have in them, because you know birthing yourself between thirteen and eighteen, I, I you wouldn't in a million dollars. If you gave me a million dollars, I wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> it's just like it's just like a birthing funnel where you just got to grow up, and and it's really stretching. And so, you know, it's really important to to have that communication of championing your kids through that um, you become more like a coach um, than somebody who is directing them um, which is what you do when they're younger obviously Um, so they're and I suppose for people who feel like that this has been thrown a thrust upon them um, just remember the other days that you've survived where things have been thrust upon you and just slow your breathing down slow your thinking down and realise that this too shall pass and that through one step, one step at a time, you'll get through the day and you'll learn something for today that you can bring into the mercies for tomorrow, which is, I always think is beautifully designed that we have a 24-hour day because if it's a crap one, it's about long enough before you're ready to string somebody or yourself. but if it's a if it's a good day like anthony's birthday yesterday you sort of like smash it out and get everything done and then you're all ready for a rest so i reckon it's, a, it's about the right time
0: i like that and so well let's talk about a few things right now um we're at a time in the world where socializing is limited yeah but let's talk about because you grew into homeschooling with your kids and you kind of obviously started with I'm schooling one child and then to five, which I can't comprehend just yet. I'm Mm. looking forward to learning. But what about, people will say, what about the social factor? Like I look at the different personalities of my kids. My boys Mm. be pretty cool to like, they're they're pretty self-sufficient, happy in their own company. My daughter, Mm. on the other hand, she needs people around her. Mm. Um, So school has been a big source of that socialising and seeing all their friends Mm. and things. How did you manage that? Because you clearly have different personalities that you've got mm. in your children. What did you, what have, were you able to do? And obviously there's right now what, what, what's happening in the world and then there's life beyond mm. where people can be socialising and back to normal. Mm. So how did you kind of work with that?
1: Yeah, I suppose when you've got five, you've sort of got a real tribe. And so for those for those younger years, but it has been different now that because our eldest is now married and she's 22, lives in Ballarat. Now our, our second eldest lives in Canberra. So we only have three in the house now. And the energy level certainly has changed, you know. So every, everyone um, produces and supplies a certain amount of energy. And it's about being creative with that energy um, and getting them to be creative with that energy. I think uh, the socialisation thing always came up for me. People would think two things about me. One, that I must be this wonder woman. And I'm just like, mate, I am so not a wonder woman. I just, you know, it's, um, but then the other one was, well, how do your kids socialise? And, you um, I, I I essentially believe you could probably think of people within your normal regular school environment that you would say aren't particularly good at socialising. Um, so it's actually not the system that you use. It's your family heartbeat that you bring to the space. Ooh, wow. So, um, you know, you could end up with really rude children if if that's what your heart space is. Um, to to be hidden and to you know to concentrate on negative thoughts and all that sort of thing, then you tend to hide away socially and you don't know how to do it mm. and you don't take courage in that. But I think with a family that is social, um, you know, you raise your kids; they catch a lot. They don't actually. You don't like. Sometimes I think yes, you do have to teach them. Um, there's there's for socializing and for politeness and for kindness, I think there is a standard and sometimes you're either bringing kids up to that standard or you're bringing them down to the standard of what kindness looks like um, or what what rudeness looks like or, you know, whatever. So you sort of, you know, like you say, your boys are pretty chilled so you probably need to raise them up to that standard and your daughter's on a Richter scale up here and so you sort of need to bring her down to a standard. And, and I think that that's fine. Like you've just got to observe what you have um, and be creative and know, like I, I suppose when I was a midwife, I was a real advocate of, of the designed woman for her family. Like she, there's no other family like yours in the whole of the world just like sit on that for a while and go, wow, you could either be overwhelmed by that or you could see it as a real invitation of life to to see it as an opportunity and to birth um, something really creative um, and significant and impactful in in your own vicinity, I suppose, in your own little world. And that's sort of how I took it, I suppose, with socialising, I just thought, uh, we love being social like I'm a dance party girl all my kids will tell you mom don't dance the car and now they all join me with their friends in the lounge room and um, so it's just about having the confidence and the courage to engage in that socialization and giving them that courage if they need it or pegging it down a little bit so that there's more space for other people to to be even in that, so um, hope that answers.
0: No, that does. And and just talking about the beat of your fa- the heartbeat of your family, like that's really beautiful to think about the values um, and what you stand for as you know mm-hmm. as that family unit and and the impact that you want to make on the world and how you want people to feel yeah. um, being around you and your your tribe so that's really special yeah
1: and i suppose as parents that's our responsibility is to hold that position you know we often talk about holding dreams and being dream keepers and and being value supporters. And, and I think as every, every parent and every family has actually an opportunity to do that is to, for parents sometimes it's really hard to hold that value space um, because there's a lot of resistance and the kids love to like push back and, and they wanna feel how, how, you know, especially as they grow in that, into that young adult age, they, they sort of really need to go and taste a few things for themselves and and to push back on on what you've taught them but actually that's the very thing that you've done too so and and you've been okay in doing that and it's just a matter of graciously allowing them to do that and to be that faith holder to know that they're so unique that there's some things that you've given them that they're going to build in a different way to what you think and that's actually okay too like to liberate your own mind and don't put um, expectations or boxing on your children to like to liberate them um, in the heart yep. fully, yeah.
0: That's amazing. And I think whether you're homeschooling, whether your kids are going to school, it is important not to impose your values on them and know there's going to be some pushback Along the way, just like we did to our parents, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't believe in that. And you don't know what I know, and all that. Yeah. Just, <laughs> but embracing that they're they're just like you know, just challenging a little bit and uh, finding their boundaries and and learning who they are and what they stand for along the way. Yes. So it's good.
1: I think also the thing that I've really enjoyed about homeschooling is just being a human with perhaps a little bit more experience than what they have, and so. Really, talk about the the stressful days where I just didn't really know who I was or what I was doing, or oh my goodness, like this this house is a circus. What is going on? I just didn't know which way up I was. That actually, that was that was okay. It's actually beautiful and a gift for the, your kids to see that you don't actually have it all together all the time, and that that you that you know. You're characterised by being a thoughtful, kind, generous, um, positive um, person generally. But every now and again, you crumble, and and that's actually good for them to see. Like, they actually don't withhold told that. I, I certainly had days where I would just fall the whole day, and my poor old kids—they'd just come up to me and go, "Mom, what's wrong?" And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> or what I'm doing this is crazy and they go well, what can we do to help you and uh, so you know that forges when you think about the friendships that you have mm. and the, when you've allowed a space of vulnerability to be shown to that friend how strong that makes your friendship um, and it's I, I categorically say that it's, it's the same in a family you actually have the same opportunity you don't have to be this god-like figure to your children, because actually no one is that. There's only one that can do that, and it's none of us. So it's shoulder to shoulder we stand and we walk together. Um, perhaps one with a bit more experience than the other, but we're same, same, just expressed differently.
0: That's beautiful, and I think it. You know, I've I've seen that in my own family, and I remember talking with some of my girlfriends growing up, where some of their moms would never cry never show emotion they always had their stuff together you know and that as we start to grow up and become a mum ourselves it's like oh my gosh like I can't be like that you you start to create all of these unrealistic expectations on yourself and I've definitely had times where I've had having a tough time and I've been emotional in front of the kids and it's so beautiful just in their compassion and empathy and and again, knowing it's okay to show your emotions and to, you know, to express mm-hmm. what's going on, whether you give the ins and outs of what's actually happening, mm-hmm. the fact that you're sharing that with them, that's right. That's really special. And I think it sets up a healthy um, relationship with their own emotions to be able to Definitely. express. It's really, really important.
1: Yeah. I think honesty is really important, but I think your response is also very important like if you want to cry cry um there are many times where I used to get really angry and frustrated and I would have these like Aah! screaming moments and I'd just do that you know because I was just so overwhelmed with what I could do and then I'd say I think I actually I learned that instead of doing that I became aware of my emotions before they reached that point point. Yes. and then I would actually just cancel the day like I'd say, righto, kids, uh, you're going to have 10 minutes of doing what you're doing and then we're going somewhere. We're going for a walk, we're, like, getting out on our bikes, we're doing something. And so especially for the younger ones, if you can see that this day is not starting the way that you thought it was going to do and you can see it, um, you know, crashing, just pull the pin. Like, actually, it's okay. It's actually okay. And then you can come back and you can tend to reset or maybe, depending on what's going on, you think, nah, I can't even reset today. And that's actually okay too. Like, yeah, but I suppose over time I learnt to be honest in a more res- a more respectful way, a re- more respectful way of them. And they'd go, well, why are we packing up, Mum? And I'm just like, because Mum is having one of those days, darling, and we just... And they're like, oh, okay, no worries. <laughs> like so off we toddle you know
0: that's awesome i love that and i think again um i I know for me uh with the kids there's been a few afternoons you know where there's and i'd love to learn a bit about what you've done with afternoon like after school sport and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. your kids are involved in but there's been some afternoons where one kid should be over there and one kid should be and i'm just like you know what we're staying home. We're going to the beach. I am not dealing with this rush, 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 like no. Yeah. And um, and you know, they just go, oh, cool. And they actually enjoy the the, the no rules or the the no plan mm-hmm. as well. So I think yeah. the less that you have scheduled and rigid, um, and the more flexible you can be, it's definitely a, a good thing to be able to roll with it.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose with the after school thing, we found that that was always a good thing to put our kids in because they were homeschooled a lot. Um, They were home all day and uh, we could pretty much do school in the morning and then by, depending on their age bracket, but, you know, in primary school definitely they were sort of finished around one o'clock or something like that. Um, And then as they got a little bit older, um, maybe two or three o'clock definitely finished and done and dusted by then. Um, So to do after-school activity was our way of engaging with community because... I, I I look at the parents who just have their kids in school all that time and then they send them off to after-school activity and really all they have is breakfast and tea with them yes. um, and then bedtime and routine and, and things like that. And um, for us, I think I would have been more like you, Kate, and just gone, Nah, actually, no, we're just going to the beach and we're hanging out together because <laughs> um, I want to hang out with them. They're just... Um, I think also the words, like over the years, I've actually heard uh, a lot of people, you know, go, Wow, I don't know how you can do that. How can you put up with your kids for that long? And my kids are standing there, because they're, they're, they're homeschooled and they came with me to the shop, and I would get a lot of shop assistance and things going, Oh, kids, day off. And I'd just say, Well, no, I actually, we finished school, we homeschool. Oh, you're homeschooled. How can you put up with your kids? And I just thought, you know, you really need to be careful of the words that you're saying. You've you've got an uh, like uh, a soul, heart, mind, and body little person standing in front of you, um, full of emotion and and uh, knowledge of themselves, and for you to say things like things people say like, oh, I can't wait till I get my kids back into school. I think that that's a real, or they might say to me, oh, how do you handle, like, what do you do? Oh, wow, where's your me time? And I'm just, you know, or all these sort of, how do you socialise and how do you put up with them? And, and I sort of think, well, imagine someone saying that to you. So, you know, uh, Stephen comes home, my husband's Stephen, and he comes home and a friend walks in and you say to her, I just can't wait till Steve goes back to work tomorrow. He's just got home that I really just can't wait until he gets home, until he goes back to work, you know, because I've just, he's only been here 10 minutes, but I've already had enough of him. (laughs) Like, I, I just don't think people realise the heart, like you're speaking to a child's heart every time you speak to them. So be reverent with that. I think, like, respect that and honour that and be careful. Um... For me personally, there was a lot of me working through my own value um, and how much I allowed people to love me or how much I let my kids love me, which the more love I let in, the more I changed my language to love them. And so, and through observation, obviously, of, of reviewing the words that I used um, to make sure that, you know, the value that we had was connectedness and and love. And so that they, that my words were in line with where I was headed, which was I wanted my kids to be connected to us and, and love us as they fly off and do their own life. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's interesting. Anthony and I have been chatting a lot about um, this ourselves and looking at, for me, through school, I loved you know being able to be with my friends, and that was awesome. I think I always knew I wasn't really the academic. Personally, I asked a lot of questions. I was very curious, uh, and so, but I also found myself learning things. I'd be like, "Why am I learning this? This not make like, any like. There's no relevance to this. How am I ever going to use this?" And so, for me, I see that I have seen that in my kids until now. So last year. Mm. took our eldest out of um out of we homeschooled for a term and it was actually really beautiful to see him grow and I wasn't sure how we were going to go the other two were still at school and right now we're considering I'm like 99% sure we'll be taking them all, all out completely mm. you know as of next week and so I'm kind of going okay well what does that look like for me and I think it's a a valid point a lot of people go well what about me time like for you mm-hmm. you grew with the kids with the homeschooling and you learnt those skill sets I guess mm-hmm. over time I'm kind of going well on Monday next week I might be like this might be my new life and I'm excited <laughs> but I also have this doubt of going well can I do it what if I stuff up the things they're supposed to be learnt? like you know all these mm-hmm worries of are we going to get yeah. it right and, and so you know we're blessed that we able to work from home and and our schedules able to kind of move around things so anthony mm-hmm. and myself will be able to kind of be doing this together but what um how did you manage your time and and where did you fit into it because i think it's good when your kids know that hang on guys like we've spent a lot of time but i need to go for a walk mm-hmm. or i'm doing something for mouse myself mm-hmm. so they they learn that it's okay to have that, mm-hmm. that time for themselves too so like yeah. How did that look like for you in a schedule of a, of a week, for example, and juggling so many different ages? Like there's quite a range of, you know, between five kids, their yeah. ages and learning styles all the way through as well.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think the me time, actually where I'm sitting right now and behind me is a green chair. Um, get a chair, one that they can't sit in with you. (laughs) And that chair was just my chair. Like when mum went and sat in that chair and, and that was like, it's about communication. It's about like saying, actually, I just need to sit and read for a little bit and I need a bit of quiet. So I used to do that personally for myself. And then Stephen and I would also do that together as a couple so that we would have um, mummy and daddy time on the couch. Um, Rather than doing it when all the kids were in bed, we would do it in full vision of them because we felt, well, we we learned by some other people that it was really important for the kids to see that mum and dad were connecting each day Um, because that's where the kids sort of get their security from. So, um, which sort of made sense to me. So we would have couch time and it would be 15 minutes on the couch together um, with a cup of tea or coffee, um, usually after Stephen got home from work. Establishing anything is um, a habit forms another habit. Like that's what conquers a habit. So you, you... as a parent, you're always creating and reinventing habits and ones that contribute more positively after reassessing how your family's going, you you put in another little habit that helps you go towards you are because nothing is static. Like... Nothing in the world is static, actually. And so your family, as they grow, is not static either. So you're always being invited to that space of reassessing and re-evaluating and re-jigging, uh, which comes back to that fluid, that flexibility um, that you have and making peace with that. As you, So what worked first may not work second. And so for me, when the, when the kids were little and I couldn't leave them, it was the chair. When they got older, it was me going for a walk. Like, um, so I would, mum's going for a walk and she's off and that's where she's going. I'm not a big um, retail shopper, but it really doesn't matter like how you express your time to yourself. It's just important that you instigate it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that's- and that's through good communication, clear communication, yeah.
0: And and just uh, again, seeing do you choosing to do things, and and I like what you said before about not waiting till the kids are asleep to actually have your time with with Stephen. I think you know I sometimes well when the kids are a bit younger, you know, to be eight eight thirty, and I'm exhausted. I'm ready for bed. Mm. It's like now we finally have a chance to talk, but I'd rather just curl up. It's like oh, uh, so that's really great to, to do that through yeah. um, the kids yeah. watching as well. What are some things you wish you had have known before starting or, I don't know, someone had to just told you to, to help you along the journey that maybe um, you can pass on to our, uh, our listeners right now or myself? Well, <laughs> I, I suppose really
1: being um, a part of tribal wellness and We is Awesome um, Empower Women's Group, for the last four and a half years, the thing that I wish that I'd knew was how to look after my body better. Like I actually did a lot of my time uh, through maternal depletion, through um, just really um, surviving and not thriving in my body, in my own body. Um, And I probably, you know, you're not gonna learn everything, Nothing, you know, everything has a season. But I suppose my passion is that you can actually do it in a thrive mode, not in a survive mode. And I wish that I had done it in a thrive mode. I think a lot of more laughter, a lot more joy, a lot more pep in my step would have been present other than sort of slugging through on a survive mode where you just, um, oh, you know. So I have found really the programs that... Uh, we choose awesome and um, empower women's group to provide have been an absolute revelation and catapulted me into um, because parenting never changes so even though I have now got adult children three of my children are adult children I love being in a in a thrive mode so that I can hold a space for them as they're entering their adult life and I'm now, um, I suppose, full of energy to be able to go, actually stand here, no, actually remember, stand here. And so that they they too also can thrive and not just survive. I think that's probably the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of mamas that, you know, it's really easy to to put the kids first and do everything for them and not take care of nutrition and whatever it else, so you know, putting good things, you know, you don't want to have um, you know, just be surrounded by all this kid stuff and not have that for yourself and feeling so low and flat. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah.
1: Um
0: so to get energy
1: um from good nutrition, energy from the outdoors and good breathing and energy. Like I used to read a lot. So I used to always find a way because I think you know when you're when you're full-time mothering you need to resource your way around certain things and so i would always invest in reading certain books and and coming up with ideas and the whatever you ask for the universe usually brings you back to so to give you something to answer the question you have so definitely keep asking the questions and you'll get the answers coming to you and so i really loved that but i i just didn't have the nutrition and i just yeah. Yeah,
0: I, yeah um so another question you know screens and screen time oh, have, like, yeah. over the years right you would have seen you would have gone from probably doing everything from books with your older children to now that's becoming more prominent and there's a lot of great resources out there you know apps and all that stuff mm-hmm. how have you kind of managed that transition uh because it is easy to chuck something on and go all right hands free so What's your thoughts on that? What's your views or values as a family, and how you navigated that?
1: Yeah, it was really interesting because I talked to my two older girls over the weekend, saying, "Oh, I'm doing this podcast with Kate. What what's your perspective now, looking back? You know, what 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 advice would you give uh, families who are doing homeschool now?" And they both said, "Throw out the devices and pretend that you're raising your children in 1980."
0: I just got goosebumps. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> and I said, really? And they said, yeah, it's imperative that children go outside for every play group, every play, like, recess. If you finish your work, go outside. Uh, do not go to a device. Like, um, go and create and explore because that's actually what you're designed to do. Now, um, I find that the temptation with devices as my kids have got older there's there's two things with devices there's entertainment and there's connection or else the other point is they're actually learning like investing in something and they're learning a skill or now I'm I'm really happy I'm I'm happy for snapchat I'm a snapchatting mum I snapchat all my kids friends and I snapchat my kids often because I I actually embrace that side of of devices, Um, I love that you can learn a skill, whatever skill you want through the avenue. I do struggle with the mind numbing um, constant entertainment. So, um, you know, to dumb down the creative in in a child is is not a good space. And I can't say that we have mastered that very well because I, I don't think actually, too many people have because it just sort of comes up and it's fitness on the backside and now we're here and you think well how can I reestablish um back and we, we've limited some screen time with um you know observing with the kids but the thing with connection and snapchat and everything it's continuous <laughs> like they can be connecting with people all the time so We often say to our older kids, can you put the device away? The people who you're connecting with right now are in your presence. Yes. They're not down the phone. Um, And unfortunately, I haven't quite figured out a way, um, unless you join them, then they get alongside you really well and they enjoy that and there's a connection three-way. If you're telling them to put it away, and they look at you going, hmm, like that. there's not a lot of um, productive flow there. Um, so I try to, I tr- because my value is connection and love, I'm still trying to figure out actually, to be honest, a way to get that around um, to produce a desire for them to want to hang out with me. But as they uh, get older, their, their focus becomes more outside of the house than inside the house. So I think when the kids are below 12, you, you have all, all thing to just say, put devices away, get rid of it. When they become 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16, 17 and 18, there's a certain amount of that they have to work out themselves. Yeah. And one thing that I say to them is now you are in now, Right now, what are you grateful for and what do you want to remember about this moment because you're 13 now, you're never going to be 13 again. When you look back as an adult, what do you want to remember about now, that all I did was sat on my couch and mum, mum and dad just, we all looked at our phone? Or do you want to remember we played Catan and, or we watched surfing video together or something that was connected? And and I'm trying to evoke in them what do they want to remember in their childhood, so that's probably my newest strategy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it it's really we all are kind of it's getting thrust upon us faster and faster and more. I mean, I look at some of my um, the our kids' friends and some of them already have devices and. You know, they've got the latest and greatest this and that and they're literally sitting around next to each other like on their screen. I'm like, no, nah, mm-hmm. that's not how it rolls in my house. But it's just interesting to see, you know, how... I mean, you're, your youngest that you're homeschooling right now is 12, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And so are you utilising any... Do you utilise any apps or anything like that that you're, you're kind of doing homeschooling with or through at all or is it more
1: having... No, that- we, we always... Um, we've done books pretty much all the... all. All, most of our um, homeschooling has been through books. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year was the first year that I haven't full, full-time homeschooled. So my uh, fourth child is in year 10 and we put him into school this year and our youngest is in year seven. So she's in year seven this year. And but prior to that, everything was done by book um, unless you wanted to find out some information. Yes. Like about stuff, so they would access the computer for that. But everything was handwritten and hand read out of a out of a facilitated yep. um, textbook.
0: And there's so many resources out there, aren't there? Like, totally. you have to figure it out and write through your own curriculum. It's it's you know there's so many resources that we can
1: absolutely. Have. And I think there's so many ways. That, like Australia is the land of opportunity. It is really uh, creative in doing that. We've had friends who. You know, at year 10 level, they've got their kids to go off to TAFE and do some subjects there or mm. to do work experience and do some labouring and, like, you know, just lots of different avenues to get to where you want to learn or how you want to learn is very much available.
0: Uh, is there a, a Facebook group or community or a place that you found a lot of support personally a- along the journey where you're sharing other ideas? Other- yeah,
1: yeah. So we've been in the Geelong area for about fifteen years now, and there's quite a lot of people that are homeschooling in the in the Surf Coast area. You know, it's a very coastal lifestyle thing to do, the homeschooling. And so when we moved down here, the the funny thing about homeschoolers is, is they used to all be underground. And so when you work, when you when you move to an area, you're just like, where are they all? Like, how do I go about finding them? And the Facebook page was very much, um, there was a Geelong Homeschoolers um, Facebook page. So um, I just connected into that and we did some, um, you know, they do excursions, we did some sport, we do some sports days or we do some surf days or some connecting days. And there's people that come and go um, but then there was sort of the established crew that would just keep turning up and so that's where my connection group for my kids sort of came from. But um, you know, everyone finds their little niche. Uh, you just got to keep looking for it and asking for it, and it will it'll turn up.
0: That's great. I have one last question for. You. I mean, we I know we could talk for hours. Um, and maybe yeah. have another another podcast uh, interview down the track as well. Yeah. I'd love to know what are some. Epic parenting fails that you've had where you've just been trying to like do it all. Because it is it is fun when we can laugh at ourselves. And I've had some chats with some girlfriends the last few weeks and they're <laughs> feeling like they're failing miserably. What's something you can look back and laugh on now that at the time it might maybe it was funny, but <laughs> I'd love to know.
1: Um I think like I just had lots of little meltdowns along the way. Um, as far as funny and hysterical, I remember when Stephen, like I had all the kids at home and it was about six o'clock in the morning, Harry was three. I was pregnant about 34 weeks with Genevieve and the kids always used to get up, you know, five five o'clock. And obviously in the winter time, it's, it's pretty cold and dark here. And so I was one that just I'm not getting out of bed before six thirty. Thanks kids. You can no. just entertain yourselves, whatever. And, uh, anyway, Harry got his finger jammed in the door, in the hinge side of the door uh, of the girl's bedroom. And, anyway, Hannah brought him in and said, oh, Harry's jammed his finger. Oh, I heard him screaming and I just said to Harry, just stick it in your mouth, mate, you'll be all right. Because <laughs> I just didn't want to get up. Just done. <laughs> like just like really and uh, so he stuck it in his mouth and then he just his whole mouth just obviously filled up with blood (laughs) and he's pulled it out and he spat it all over my bed (laughs) and so I think maybe I better turn the light on because I just felt like someone had just sprayed me with paint and I put the light on and here is my whole bedroom just sprayed in blood and Harry's finger he'd actually like It was like a tip lock bin, you know, where you just like tip the whole finger and there's the bone, it's just, it was horrible. And I'm thinking, he's not gonna let me hold that. So I just put it straight up and I said to Hannah, get the phone, we have to ring dad. The whole house was
0: screaming
1: (laughs) and Harry's bawling, the kids have seen blood everywhere. Anyway, I ring Stephen, who's 15 minutes down the road, and I said, just said to him, get home now, and I hung up on him. And so he's gone, freak out. So he's jumped in the car, come home, and as he's walking up the driveway, he's saying to me, um... Once he realised, I told him all the story and everything and he said, yeah, and just by the way, when you're 34 weeks pregnant, can you just like tell me what's going on? Because I actually thought you'd had the baby on the floor.
0: Oh my (laughs) God.
1: And like, I don't know, like just roll with the punches. Like really just whatever experience you have, it actually adds to your life and to your place of going, whether it seems like chaos all the, at the time, it always ends up as a good story. And all of the kids can remember stories that they talk about that I can't even remember where they, you know, um, this happened, that happened, whatever happened. Um, and it, it's actually all the glue. It's all whether it's good or bad, it's the glue that keeps us together. Yeah. Because in the end, you know, love works and... I think you know to forgive one another when you're not good or you're not doing well and to ask kids I, I still remember two two profound moments in my life where my dad actually said to me I'm sorry I got it wrong like he didn't do it very often but I I I can remember two times where he actually came to me and he said I've just got that so wrong and that that was really profound for me and so rather than looking at what my parents didn't give me, I always try and look at what they did give me. And that was something, the gift that Dad gave me, was those two moments. So Stephen and I have always tried to practice when we've had those horrible, like that that scenario. I had to go back and I had to say to Harry, I am so sorry that oh, I must have been like a heartless mum. You know, he's just jammed his finger in the, doesn't matter if it's chopped off, I still want to just roll over and go to bed. <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's part, it, it actually all turns out.
0: It does. It does. I Mm -hmm. think holding um, the values of what your family has or what you want to be known for and how you, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, people don't remember the, the score or the mark or the whatever, but they remember how people made them feel. And I think that's what you get to do is raise your children in a way, whether it's in the school system, whether it's not, it's, I think more and more I see this pressure being put on kids to hit a grade and it's, oh, these exams are on. You want to make sure mm-hmm. you're this. And at the end of the day, it does come down to being a good human that makes mm-hmm. you know a difference, whether it's by being kind or being incredibly intelligent or mm-hmm. whatever that is. Everyone has their own uniqueness. Yeah, being able to bring that out in our own children and have that special relationship yes um you know
1: it's leaving a and i always used to and i still try to encourage young mums to make yourself attractive along the way you know if you if you want your kids to hang out with you you have to be creative in in meeting their need and their desire that makes you attractive to hang around like You know, so that means that you have to be careful of the words. You have to be careful of what what you're bringing to the table. And, like, there were other moments where Stephen would come home from work and he'd be just like, whoa, yow, there's a bit of tension in this house. And, uh, you know, he actually would say to me, how's that working for you, Nat? Because how are you actually, how are you making yourself approachable and attractive to the kids? with the attitude that you're holding at the moment and I would look at myself and i go, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to go near that either. Like, yeah. I actually, yeah, so yeah. I would always sort of tried. I learnt to keep my heart soft and, mm. and to, to respond with a soft heart rather than a hard one so that I would be attractive um, and approachable for the kids to come to. Um, yeah.
0: That's amazing. Well, I can't thank you enough for the wisdom that you have shared with us today. I'm sure for all of everyone listening as well just whether yeah. again homeschooling is just a, a right now thing or it's something that is right for the long term everyone can kind of take something and implement into their own family so really yeah. grateful Nat for your time and your wisdom and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to chat more with you as well and learn learn all about the ins and outs of homeschooling. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, well, the invitation of life is everywhere, you know, whether you choose to do homeschooling for just this time or um, whether you all go back to normal or whatever, it, it's all just part of a chapter and it's all part of an invitation to live life, um, yeah, in a manner
0: that it's worthy of, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Wow. What an awesome interview with Natalie. There's so much wisdom to be shared. I think any woman who's a mama of five, like, oh my goodness, there's definitely some lesson to learn along the way. And uh, just, you know, whether homeschooling is an option for you for the future, or it's something that you're just kind of moving through right now. There's so many little nuggets there that she shared around. I love what she said around finding the heartbeat of your family and Deciding what you want your family to be known for or the values that you really want to instill in your children, whether it's kindness and compassion, curiosity. There's so many beautiful characters and qualities that we can instill through our family um, that's going to leave a legacy, you know, regardless of the marks, regardless of the grades that our kids might get or the degrees they might go on to have or whatever that is, you know, first and foremost, having children that grow into kind humans that are there to make a difference to others. So I'm so grateful to have Natalie on. And if you have questions, if you want to know more, please jump into our free Empowered Women's Project community. We'll be definitely answering more questions there. And if you want to learn more about Empowered Women's Project and also the program, Tribal Wellness, that Natalie mentioned in our interview, you can visit empoweredwomensproject.com or check us out at our other social media handles. We would love it if you would head across to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. and, And also we'd want to know what you'd love to hear more of right now. We're always on the hunt for inspiring people who help others live their best life. And I think right now in the world, we need that more than ever. So join us in a future podcast as we get real and interview amazing women who have been through struggle and challenge, have gone against the grain, but are living their best life by design, which is what we are all about. Have a beautiful day. We are looking forward to chatting with you real soon, and we'll see you on a future podcast.